Welcome to the Lured Podcast brought to you by Finn and Tide. Thanks for taking the time to tune in and listen to us talk lure fishing. This is episode one and it's a bit of an intro into all of us that will feature on the pod. As well as rabbiting on about fishing stories, tackle, memorable catches and whatnot, we will endeavour to try and make this series full of information as well as having the odd laugh. Thanks again for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Well, here we are. Here we are. Eventually, we've got there. Been a long time coming, lads, isn't it? It has indeed, mate, yeah. Loads of of trash uh... talking. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking on Instagram to see when we first put the question out about uh, would anyone be interested in in listening to a podcast series, and it was May last year. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I had to stories. So it's taken a full year to do. And a global pandemic to make us do it, but yeah, but we're here, but we're here. So, and um, I guess we we have all the reasons we want to do the pod, which we talked about for ages, was mainly so that we could drink beer and talk fishing with each other, and and lads to quit our jobs and live the dream. <laughs> of course, hundred <laughs> percent. This is step one, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, first stone to stand on. Yeah, absolutely. But on a serious note, it's um, it just felt like a good time to do it, didn't it? With everything that's going on, yeah, hundred percent. Bit of time on our side, and absolutely. maybe just sort of brighten up people's days a little bit, talking, <coughs> listening me. to people talk fishing. Yeah, or Nothing chat wrong with shit, that. one or the other. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we'll let them Should... decide, eh? Yeah. Shall we set the scene for what it looks like and how we're doing this for everyone listening? In case, um we yeah, get some critique about, about the audio, but basically we're all at home, we've got our feet up, we've got the beers on the go, um, we're using a, an, an audio app to do this, so if the audio is rubbish, you know why. It's um, raw, lads, it's raw. It's raw. Yeah, it's very raw. Something this podcast isn't going to be is very polished, so we'll just have to roll with the punches. Yeah, 100%. But, um, so, well, we should probably start by introducing everyone, right? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, so I'm Dan. Uh, I'm Rick's cousin, who's also in this. I've been tied a few years back. And uh, we've got young Pete Cook, bass guru. Young Pete? Us. I think I'm older than both of you, boys. You probably are, <laughs> but we're giving you a young shout. <laughs> I've always loved you, lads. You know that. <laughs> um so the three amigos, so it's us three. Um, so this is Rick speaking. So yeah, me, Dan, Pete, we're going to be, um, every week we're going to try and do another episode where we just talk lure fishing specifically. It'll probably mostly be saltwater stuff, won't it? But um, we may dabble yeah. in the, the freshwater stuff here and there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just a, a bit of an excuse to talk all things lure fishing. And interrogate um, some guests. Yeah, and just get our mates on and talk, talk to those and hopefully people find it useful and interesting. Um, because we we certainly will, and then we'll just we'll just roll from episode to episode, and hopefully the feedback's good, and we can carry it on. I think the good thing about this as well, lads, is obviously <coughs> we've got a lot of friends all over the place in different locations, and it you know it's good to like touch base on what the fishing's like in their location, because obviously you know region to region, you know town to town, country to country, it's all it's it's all different. Nothing's 
nothing's really the same. You know, the, the principles are the same, but there's a lot of things that can be the difference between catching and not catching. So it'll be good to sort of talk to the people, you know, who, who, you know, connections all around and just find out how they do it where they are, you know, yeah, yeah. Mate, we're going to totally learn so much talking to people from all over the world. And we've already, since we launched the, um, the trailer yesterday, we've already had a few messages from people as far as Australia that want to come on and talk and, that's amazing. Um, yeah, we'll learn stuff from them and they'll learn stuff from us and maybe we can set a few challenges, etc. along the way and have a bit of fun. That's what it's all about, lads. Fishing is, it's first and foremost, it's got to be fun. If yeah. it ain't fun for you, give the fuck up. You know exactly. what I mean? You're not wrong. Exactly. exactly. And, and um, well, we met, we all met, um, for, well, we went to, was it the big one? Yeah, we went to the big the one. Show. That's it. Yeah, yeah, we met George. Me and Dan went down there. We met George from Tronix. Um, George Cunningham, who few people will obviously know of. Um, and he introduced us to Pete, which would have been probably, it's got to be nearly five years ago now. It's got Easy, to be at least that, lads. Um, Easy. Yeah. And then, um, and then we just sort of hit it off, didn't we? And just, that yeah. was it, really. That was the start of a, a good, yeah. good friendship. Absolutely. Um, all fishing related, apart from the odd bit of banter about Pete supporting Tottenham but that will leave that to another day <laughs> yeah alright lads alright well, you did dig me out for having tow rope fishing line if you remember rightly yeah look don't bring out the inner beast in me not tonight <laughs> um, and that's sort of how it all kicked off didn't it and then um, we just we've all been bitten by the fishing bug and we've just gone plenty of trips plenty of sessions talk shit most of the time and just have a good yeah. a good time all round yeah, and I think I think for me, like having obviously met Pete, and then uh, him showing us the ropes on the mainly on the bass fishing because, um, I mean, we talked about this before, but I sort of grew up doing a lot of freshwater fishing and whatnot, and my saltwater saltwater sort of um, kick really was if I got to go away to Florida with the parents and stuff when I was younger, and we would fish lures and topwaters and whatnot, and I just didn't know that that sort of fishing kind of existed. Um, over here over here really and yeah. to be honest Pete was like no listen it's, it's the same sort of thing and you know we sort of rolled with a punch with Pete he sort of taught us a few bits and bobs about it and whatnot and so for me that was the biggest eye opener um, and then ever since then it's just been an obsession um, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? honestly lads I mean you know we've we've fished together a fair amount you know at times now and you know I've put you on some pretty good marks where you know Think of the scenario you've been you've been you've been winding in a top water seductively, and out of nowhere, a massive back just starts bow waving up behind it in like a foot of water. Is there anything yeah. more exhilarating than that? Do you know what I mean? And there ain't. No. There ain't to, to have it just, on. Yeah, well, your doorstep and not too far from our doorstep. It just it's amazing. And like you say, up you know we probably started bass fishing Dan and I maybe ten years ago. Yeah, when we first yeah. started delving into it, um, yeah. and then we probably got serious, you know, 2012 maybe. And then we we started fishing in 2014, and that's when we all met. And then that's where it's just kicked into another gear. And um, we got the Orkney, and that was obviously um, Pete's baby for a long time. And now we've sort of all used that and get out and fish heavily in all different conditions, really, but mostly in the skinny stuff. And we just we just love it, and mm. that. 
that side of fishing is mainly down to like Dan said, Pete sort of showing us where to go, how to do it. Um, and it's yeah. just, you know, we're always learning though. We don't stop learning. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? You've been doing it for 30 odd years, 40 years. <laughs> a, boat, age, but... a boat, lads, you know, you, you've had, you've had a taste of what it's like down here. Um, you know, in the good times and the bad times. And if there's a reason why we all own boats along the South coast, mate, is because, you know, the shore fishing, as great as it can be, you, you only need a couple of knots of wind in the wrong direction and, and it's ruined, you know. And having that boat and be able to get the other side of that dirt is just, it's a yeah. difference between, you know, going home and snapping your rod over the knee or going out and having some fun and putting yourself in a position where you might catch a few fish. And, you know, for me, that's that's what's been the drive to that sort of thing as art as, as a pain in the ass it can be launching sometimes um it, you know for me when you step in that boat and you're, you're, you're pointing it in the right direction there's only one thing on your mind and you know is it going to be a top water explosion is it going to be this is it going to be that and it's it, it, well it, it's just the draw that pulls you in and it? it's just yeah something about being out there like we've been out there at stupid o'clock before in the mornings watching that sunrise Hearing yeah. dosh, 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 where they're smashing your top waters in, you know, suddenly you've got a bar of silver holding up with the sun glittering off it. You're like, fuck, this is yeah. this is this is why I'm alive. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It don't get much better than that. No, it really doesn't. We, our background was massively course fishing. I mean, we, I, I personally grew up in central London. Dan did music really early years, and then we slowly, sort of, gradually moved out towards Surrey, but. Our fishing's yeah. always been based around the River Thames, the canals. And we did a bit of lure fishing for pike and that, but mostly yeah. your typical float stuff, feeder stuff, just bagging yeah. up on bream, rope. Yeah. But all that stuff that we learned with course, course fishing, the finesse side of it, you know, tackling up really light has massively helped with our saltwater stuff and specifically lure fishing because it's get, it, we understand what can be the difference. That dropping from a 16-pound fluorocarbon leader to a 12, People won't think anything of it, but we know how much of a difference that can be. Oh, mate, it's a, game, it's a game changer. Yeah, that comes from our course fishing days. Yeah. So and obviously that's something that, that Pete, you have had, you've had a course fishing background as well, right? Is that? Oh, mate. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go into too much detail like we did in our in our dummy run, but, you know, my, my course fishing background, um, fishing, you know, with probably, the best anglers in the world, basically. Um, well, the best anglers in the country, shall we say. Um, um, fit top flight match fishing, um, rivers, canals, lakes, the whole shebang. The, 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 the watercraft that I learned was something that just, you know, it just put me in such a good position wherever I went and certainly on the sea as well. I mean, you know, I've, I've lived by the sea all my life. I've, I've sea fished all my life. Um, and I think once you can, once you can go on a river, um, and sort of read a river, know where the fish are going to be, you can go on the sea, mate. And it's pretty much the same sort of thing. It, once you learn topographies and what, how, how, you know, the current moves around a rock when it hits it and where the fish would be lying. It's the same in like rivers and stuff like that, you know? And, um, that's, I think it's, that's the difference between an angler, a successful angler and an angler who who isn't really um yeah. you know i'm a firm and you know anyone who talks to me i don't think i'm something special at all like you know my own fishing is for my own personal gain and my friends you know 
And if I can help my friends out, I will on the way. But, you know, anyone who talks to me, you know, it's, oh, yeah, you know, you caught this, you've had that. Yeah, it's about putting the hours in, you know, walk the beach, find find a spot to fish, go and walk the beach, go and have a look at low tide, see if there's any rocks, see if there's any little bars or gullies. Anything like that is a spot where a fish could possibly be holding out. And you'd mm. want to be targeting that area. Um, yeah, homework goes a long way, right? Mate, absolutely. I think, you know, if you've, you know, I've said it a million times, if you've got watercraft, you've got, you've got a massive chance of, um, of catching fish. And I think the more hours you put in, the best thing to do is not to badger people too much for information because it's so much, much more rewarding going out there, you know, my, it does my missus head in, mate. I go out at one, two in the morning if the tides are right. You know, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll be up to me nickels in salt water and, you know, because I know it's the right time to be there. And, mm. um, you know, do many people do that? Well, not many people don't, but what do you want out of your fishing? Do you want to go out and catch fish or do you just want to be a chancer and maybe catch fish? Because I'll tell you what, lure fishing is totally different to sticking a couple of maggots on, on a hook and chucking it out. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to blank lure fishing, very easy to blank. And I know people who have spent thousands on tackle and then a one se- after one season, not caught a fish, and suddenly they're, they're back doing their carp fishing or their lake fishing or their river fishing because yeah. they know they know it's a far lot easier catching with something smelly or something live on the hook than mm-hmm. it is with something that is just totally don't even look like a fish let's be honest yeah, yeah. mate when you're fishing totally. a small lake you're fishing a landlocked body of water the, the fish are going to be in the vicinity somewhere so you know you've pretty much found them from the off um and like you say you can ground bait you can put your bait in and the, the fish can be drawn to that but you've got a target area haven't you I yeah mean, yeah you with lure fishing you don't have you don't have you know you can't throw chuck kilos of, of ground bait in and or burley whatever you want to call it and bring fish to, to you it's You've got to read the water. You've got to try and work out where the bait fish are, where the fish can amb- ambush that, those bait fish. And, you know, is the water clear? Is it not clear? What's the conditions like? There's so much that goes into getting a successful session in lure fishing that that's certainly why we've moved on to that, you know, a long time back and haven't really looked back since just because of the challenge. Yeah. I also think that, you know, the mobility, Rick, gives oh, you, and, and so, yeah, it, it gives you so much more because, you know, we've been out in the boat before. We, we've fished a mark which we know we can catch bass on, not had a sniff, and suddenly we we shot five miles down the coast. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. You just think, yeah, get, I'm I'm out of it because yeah. I know I know down the other end there's another mark where there might be some fish, but you know it's always might be some fish. You know, you you have got it's very it's very you can't really go out and say right I'm guaranteed to catch. I mean there I have got marks where I know I can go and catch three pound bass every single day for probably five hours of the tide but mm. to me that's not fishing yeah. it, that, that, that's not that's not what i want out of fishing I, I want i want the hard fishing i want to i want to target the big fish and you know i, I just well, i, I guess know. that also that comes with that comes with levels of fishermen right because obviously for me i would have took what you've just said there when i first started throwing top waters at the shoreline i would have I, I, yeah, I'd have just took three pound bass for five hours at a tide every day of the week and thought that it was absolutely amazing. But then obviously as you get through and you do learn your trade and then you start wanting that step further and that bit bigger fish and 
and whatnot and then the work goes up in line with that you know you have to put those hours in to produce that big fish so you know going back to what you're saying there like obviously i think that counts for every different level of an angler but like what you're saying if you want if you want the maximum out of it which is a great big bar of silver that you've worked your ass off and you've done your homework and produced and you're going to walk home with a massive spring in your step then obviously the hours have to go in right mate absolute nail on the head it's it's all about it's all about putting the hours in in this game. It, it definitely is because I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I, you, I mean, you can obviously target the bigger fish, and I do target the big bigger fish early season. Obviously, fishing bigger lures. You can't, you know, we've all had bloody two pound bass hit a, you know, hit a hundred eighty mil, two hundred mil lure. They do it all the time because they're greedy buggers. But you know, you are you are lessening the amount of, you know, should we say smaller fish and hits you're going to get but you know usually when that when that hit comes along it's a chunk you know it's something mm. half decent and yeah. you know yeah. I, I've I'm in I'm in a stage in my life now you know you boys know how busy I am my missus works away a lot so fish fishing hours for me although I live on the marks you know they're, they're very limited I might fish seven days a week when she's when she's in the country but you know, that might be just 20 hours a week, just a couple of hours, you know, here and there. Yeah. Um, and at, in those couple of hours, I don't really want to be going out just catching the fish just for the buzz, it, buzz of it because I've done all that. I want to go out and I want to target a big fish. And I'd rather take the blanks and put a piece of the puzzle together and then nail it um, than go out and just sit myself on a, on a schoolie hole and just you know, smash out the hood rats for a couple of hours. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just not fun for me, you know? And mm. I've, when I take my son fishing, um, Zed comes to me quite a bit in the summer. I will go to those marks because what I want to do, I mean, he's as keen as mustard, but I want to plant that seed for him and I want him to be as enthusiastic as what I am. Yeah. You know, when he's, when he's 40, when he's my age, yeah. Um, when he goes fishing and, you know, th- this is the thing with, beginners and stuff like that i'd rather put them on marks that i know they're going to catch loads of fish because as we've just touched base on they're soon they're soon selling their gear and going back to the puddles mate and um yeah you know it's just i'm way way past that not not in terms of of like level of you know greatness it's not about that it's just i know what i want out of my fishing and it's only my own personal gains but because my time is limited I like catching big fish. I'm mm. prepared to take the blanks um, and, you know, just keep going and going until they come along. We do get a smooch, a few smaller fish on the way, um, but it's those big fish I like to go out and catch. I, you know, can actually, just... I can actually remember a time where we were out on one of the marks, the three of us. It was like an evening. And I remember you'd shot down and I was like, boys, I'll join you. I'll jump on with you. And we, and we shot out. We went to a mark that we all know. And I remember, I think, I think maybe, I can't remember actually who caught the fish, but I think you pulled it up out over the side and it was probably like a good three or four pound bass. And to be fair, I hadn't actually caught many of them myself at the time. It was quite early on. And I remember you just tossing it over the side <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'd have been absolutely gagging over a picture with that and all sorts. And I just remember you tossing it over the side as if they were like, you know, like Mars bars. And it, and it, it made me giggle in the car on the way home because I'd said to Rick, I was like, if you can chuck three or four pound chunks back, then obviously you, you've seen a few bigger fish in the area to know that they just come and go. And I remember saying to Rick, I just couldn't get over it. Like my face, when you threw it over the side, like, oh yeah, that, that's all right. We'll get rid of that. We'll start, carry on going. Like 
like it was nothing. I remember thinking I'd have took about ten minutes to have a photo and and whatnot with it. <laughs> oh, classic. Pete, when you obviously, when did when did the bass kind of the bass bug bite you? So when did you come away from the match scene, the course scene? Um, and sort of really start to focus on the bass? Well, let me think. So, I don't know, I don't know what year it would have been, but so I can't, obviously, you know, I've fished, I've sea fished all my life, so the, the whole, the whole catching bass and things like that, it's not, you know, it's something I've done since I was, you know, a young kid, but, seriously focusing and targeting bass um i mean i stopped i stopped match fishing when i was 24 um so from there then onwards really um it was just i as i said i had to stop my match fishing mainly because my circumstances changed at work i mean i was i i had the luxury where i would i was in a position as long as i worked my 37 and a half hours a week I had the rest of the week off, you know, and I was fishing three to four matches a week all over the country, practicing every day and tying rigs every day, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I'm one of these people, as you know, as you know, when we fish together, I, you know, I sort of, I put my bloody heart and soul into everything I do. And, you know, I've always been like that. And when my circumstances changed at work and my hours changed, you know, I, it was a case of, look, I'm not going to be only, I'm not, I can't just give this seven. It's got to be 120% or I just got to walk away from it. And, you know, it was a good promotion I got at work. Um, you know, I was only young and I sort of just took the decision to knock it on the head. So that's sort of when it, you know, the I thought I need to do something which sort of fits in with what I do. And um, so I started focusing more on bass fishing, you know, solely on bass fishing because A, I live by the sea. Um, B, I'd fish with lures anyway. I mean, I've fished with lures since I was a young kid, um, whether it's in the sea, on the local canal at Chichester, over the lakes. Um, I mean, going back to the days of the Abu Hilo with the adjustable metal vein. I mean, mate, I used it in the sea and I used it in the canal, you know, it was just one of those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I'd say from about the age of 24, really, that was when I I really started, you know, just solely focusing on that. Um, I was also carp fishing as well at the time. Um, but, yeah, I would say that's probably when it all started really kicking off for me. Um, and then, yeah, it's just been sort of pretty full ball ever since, really. Um, obviously, you know, tackles evolved since back then and things are always evolving now. Lures are evolving, rods, braids, everything. You know, it's it's far more, it's far more advanced nowadays and it was back then but the principles are still the same you know moving on i got my first boat bogner um and yeah i mean i had four or five boats in the, t- the duration of fishing in that pound um a couple of them were custom built um a couple of orkneys and that little dory um so yeah it was just you know good times and i got another warrior um and got that anymore um, so yeah, just fish off the Orkney, really, off the Orkney or on the shore. So, um, yeah, had a few boats, had a few shitters, as they say, and you know, just learn, learn, learn a few lessons as you do. 
Um, but enjoyed myself, you know, learned a lot. Most of every, most of everything I've done is all self-taught. You know, I've, I grew up a single parent family um, and, you know, the fishing, my uncle got me into fishing when I was, to, I mean, when I was really young, young and um, he started taking me and then it just sort of progressed from there. Then when I got to an age where I sort of could do it on my own, I did it on my own. I did it a lot, you know, um, every given hour. I mean, I'm not ashamed to say I spent more time fishing than I did at school. I'm probably not the only person who, who decided to make that choice. Um, but when I look look at it now, I haven't actually done too bad in life. So it's one of those things. You are what you make, you know, and yeah. you make you make the best of your situation. And um, so yeah, I've, I've sort I've sort of done all right over the years. And but that's that's really how my my progression into boat fishing started. Just sort of learning a few harsh lessons as a kid, taking a few chances, and then get to an age where you sort of get a bit more adventurous you start doing things more on your own and yeah. that's sort of what I've done really sort of, you know I've, because of my upbringing I've had to do a lot on my own been people around to sort of give me guidance give me this give me that most of everything what I've done I've, you know it's all self-taught and um, I'm pretty proud of that I hope we get a chance to get Rob on here um, with us but Rob will tell himself we you know we used to fish every day on the boat i mean this this was when my daughter i mean my missus was on the um it sounds really bad mm. um but i mean my son wasn't born back then and um you know i had more hours to get out we were literally fishing every you know we'd fish every day for months and months and months and our mate heads would fish with us and you know it didn't matter what time the tide was we'd be launching at high tide low tide middle of the tide you know, we, we know we like to sort of, we know the best times of the tide, but it just, just wanted to get out there. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been out there with Rob before, a three pound wrasse and a bass has just come up underneath it like an absolute, like a Goliath, mate, with its mouth open, wanting to chomp that wrasse. You know, we've, yeah. Rob's had it as well when he hasn't been with me. I've had it with, I've had it with my brother out there. I've had it with other mates. Other mates have had it. We've seen some fish. Yeah, I, I fished with Rob. I fished with Rob when he was bringing up a rass and we had a bass chase it up. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was huge. Yeah. There's... It was huge. We had one last year as well, which had a pound yeah. and a half whiting come out of it. Yeah, you, you did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it had a lure and it was stuffed in his mouth. I don't know how he got the lure in his mouth as well. Um, and that was about a four pound fish. It weren't huge. Going back to 2013 now, I was, I literally, it was a shitty morning at and it, it's a really strong easterly wind, um, so it was wind, it was wind over tide for for, for the morning, and um, we, we were just going out. Just it weren't very good tides either. We were just going to go out and catch some wrasse, really. You know, we all love a bit of wrasse fishing. I mean, they're one of my favourite fish to catch, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, yeah, we're, we're just go, we're just going through going through the wrasse, catching a few sort of like fours. You know, I had a few other smaller ones, and literally before the end of the session, I've. And I was with a, um, like I say, I was with a mate um, called Dave Brown, who's, well, Dave and Pete Brown, they're both really good friends of Rob and I. We met him on the forum like years and years ago and just been mates and fished all over ever since. And anyway, he's out there with me. And, um, for, you know, rods are on the boat and um, what I use for like the top waters and stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so. What's that? The brands, you know? My brands. And um, yeah. so I'm vertical jigging with. 
a a fish 120 25 gram khaki classic and um yeah and yeah my rod literally we're, we're getting towards the end of the drift my rod hoops over and you would have thought i'd hook the bottom because it just literally it did you know what the rod's like it's it's quite a soft rod and it just arced over and arced over and you would have thought until drifting along and you know instead of the rod sort of you know as it curls over as you're snagged and then suddenly it's like drags coming off and you think right i've opened the that to get it out i'm just going to pull for the brake well yeah it was just before i kicked the engine over to start going back up the tire to go around the rock that i had a couple of massive head shakes and i said to dave yeah. this ain't the bottom of man it's it's, it's a fish and i've had a massive wrasse on because i've lost a couple of big wrasse that morning anyway which just literally just trained me in the rocks and um mm. so as the boat's drifting away the fish is obviously going further away from me because it's hugging the bottom and then it slowly starts coming up. And it wasn't until it got to mid-water, we're fishing like 40 foot of water, that it started screaming. And I mean, you, you boys know I fish my drags pretty tight. I don't, I, I'm, I, I don't like, you know, fish taking a lot of, lot of drag. And um, it started taking some drag. And I was like, this is a problem. After about sort of five six minutes of it staying really low, it started coming up in the tide because the tide started making away. And next thing you know, this fucking great mouth come up to the surface. And it was, well, it what turned out to be an epic battle after that was my PB bass of 14 pound on the nose. And um, Jeez, yeah, wow. it was, I remember, I remember like, I, I was trying to, trying to call Rob to cruise me. And I was like screaming down the phone. And you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until David processed the pictures and we got them off. We are like, me look at this thing it's just like just like a giant and um that what i'm getting at in the story is a few times i've been out with the brothers and they've been out with me um there was a time i actually just i posted up a couple of weeks ago on my facebook memory so i had both pete and dave out with me on the orkney and uh, mm -hmm. we were fishing the lump we all know what the lump is and um the, yeah. the tide had literally just started to ebb away and um, the gannet started diving and uh, they they was they were getting you know more and more and um, I could see a few splashes on the surface so we'd been catching a few fish that morning we'd had, had a few up to sort of eight pounds so you know the fishing was it was a good day anyway everyone was happy we would loads of banter as you do uh, and anyway I started started a drift line up just got well up tied with these fish started marking and um we started hammering loads of fish sort of like six to eight pounders and then we we start set up a new drift first drop down me me and dave are fishing one side and peds is fishing the other me and dave bloke both get flat rotted mid-water and um next thing you know dave's got an 11 8 in the net and i i'm i've got an 11 6 in the net at the same time and um, so we've got a pair of 11s wow. in the net, right? We've got them. We, we're doing like a spaghetti dance all over the deck. It's fucking mad. It, it's all going off around us. Peds is still smashing fish out left, right and centre. And um, anyway, we got the, we got some wicked like double shots of, of other fish. And that was Dave's first double and he's obviously his PB. So I've mm. gone down. I've set another drift up, gone straight down at a 10-2 first drop. Got that in, got a picture of that, and then I've wow. just under ten pound as well. It's at, at <laughs> wow. mental. I just, 
I'm smiling and giggling as I'm to myself now as I think about it because it's but, just one yeah, of those mate. sessions, man, where it's just like going off. Everything just clicks into gear and everything, the world's yeah. aligned. And, that's and it. you know what, lads? You know, Gosh. when you're with your pals and you know, you're all on the same wavelength, there ain't no better feeling than that. And that's that's no. that's what fishing is, that's what fishing does for me, you know. So we could talk stories all night, I suppose, boys, but maybe we, um, what people don't know is that, Pete, you actually work in the fishing industry as well, um, having do it. Uh, For my sins. Yeah, having done some stuff with um, George uh, Tronics and the brand and the HTO brand. Um, do you want to sort of touch on that, how you got into that and what you do? Um, and then maybe yeah, we can I mean, talk about the Lure Hub. We won't, we, I won't bore you with here forever but basically I'm um must have been 10 years ago now we were I was down Weymouth mm-hmm. with Rob <laughs> and um yeah we, we we were just fishing we we're fishing a bumble on this like lure forum that we used to be part of and um so yeah we just went down there and started catching a few bass and we put a post up on Facebook, um, what's everyone doing, blah, 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 blah. And someone said, oh, how are you getting on? And we said, oh, yeah, we've had quite a few bass. And the conditions were horrendous, man. But, you know, me and Rob started fishing this mark with our mate Peds and um, and Dave. And um, it was absolutely horrendous. The waves were crashing in. But we got in there and we were catching, like, bass on in 20-foot seas. It was absolutely mental. And um, George was like, oh, yeah, nice one, lads. I'm going to be down at the pub at the end of the day. Um I have a few bits and pieces come and drop by and say hi. So we went back to the pub anyway for a sherbet. And um, yeah, we just, I went and chatted to George. We looked at his gear and, and um, after that we, we swapped numbers. Uh, no, we didn't swap numbers actually. I think George contacted me on Facebook. Just said, oh, you know, I'm local business. I'm in Littlehampton. Um, got a few bits here. Do you want to come and have a look at? Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll drop by one time. And um, anyway, I dropped by to see him and, he just showed me a few bits and pieces and we had a chat. He showed me a few other bits and pieces that he can, that he can get hold of and he's interested in doing. And, you know, bear in mind, the HTO brand was pretty young back then. You know, it was it was just a few little bits and pieces. In fact, Tronics as a company was very young back then. It was literally, he was just in a, like a little port cabin. It was crazy. Yeah. And um, and now if you look at what, what G's done now, I mean, he's got a massive, great multinational company. You know, he's... He ships all over the world, and you know he's he's constantly innovating and bringing in new stuff. And with George, and I still work alongside George now. I mean, I worked for his company for four or five years, um, helping him with various bits and pieces. And although I don't work for George anymore, you know, I'm still really good friends of him, and you know, helping him bring the HTO brand, like modernising it, getting relevant gear in, i.e., rods. You know, the Shore Games. Um, with the groundbreaking rods, really, um, the Nebula range. Um, so those are, those are rods. That, those, those are rods that you you designed, Pete, right? Yeah. So yeah, and I think the Neb, I think the Nebula range actually um, is probably the biggest selling lure rod in the UK. Wow. Um, and I mean, it's still it's still massive now. You know, loads of people buy them. They're just great, good value fishing rods. Which, yeah. You know, but Dan, you, you use get you the, use the done, Neb, don't you? And you swear by yeah. it. I've got a neb. I love the neb. I actually had a travel neb. Um, I took to Florida back end of last year, and um, that uh, fell to the wayside 
um, when a snook decided to snap it. But, um, but I do, <laughs> but, but I do, uh, I do believe in them. Yeah, I think the nebs are good rods. I enjoy my neb. Um, I've paired it out with a Stradic four thousand, and it's yeah, it does does it for me. I mean, the only thing I'd probably trade it for would be the Branzino, the bass. Branzino bass thing that you've got um, but I've just struggled to find one after I asked you that time about where to grab one and I've been I've been scouring looking for one for a while oh what the Branzino yeah That's the... yeah you, you just won't you won't get one mate I mean there are what, to find eh? the brands yeah the Branzino I've got is probably 10 years old mate yeah. but you know it's one of those rods that I mean back at the time I mean me and Peds me in fact, me, Peds, and Dave Brown, we all bought one each. They were like 799 quid. And 10 years ago, mate, yeah. that is a lot of money for a lure rod. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, a lot hell of, of a lot of money. But it's a timeless it's one of those rods. Some rod that. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably the best rod I own. I know it sounds mad. I've got some absolutely stunning rods, but it's probably the best rod I own. A, it caught my biggest ever bass. Not that, I mean, any rod can catch a bass. So there's a bit of, there's a bit of sentimental there, but... It's just one of those things I've used it off the shore, I've used it off the boat, I use it in the harbours, I've used it on the rivers, you know, yeah. I even use it freshwater fishing for the pike in the winter when I do it. It's just one of those things that just blends into absolutely every discipline you can do. And um yeah, it, I just I just love it. It's it's just a great rod. Mm-hmm. And um but anyway, we're talking about nebs, but yeah, the neb range I think is I think Chapter George, I think it's the biggest selling lure fishing rod in the UK. So We've done really well with that, and I've I've worked with George um, quite closely over the past twelve months. We've bought some new lures to market. We've got some new designs um, on paper, which we're going to hopefully. I mean, this coronavirus business, which we've already touched on, um, it's sort of put put hold, a lot of plans on hold at the moment, as you can imagine. But we've got some really cool lures that we want to bring. You know, bring out. It was going to be this year. It's probably going to be next year now, but. Um, keep an eye out for the new range of HTO shore rods which are coming out which we've worked on for the past sort of 12 to 18 months because they are literally and I promise you they are game changers I've never been so excited I thought the shore game was awesome it is awesome but yeah these new ones which I can't say the name of them um, because we've got to keep it stood they are literally wands mate just absolutely incredible fishing rods so my time with HTO HTO has been awesome um, and yeah, I'm still really good mates with George, and we'll continue to work with him to modernize the brand and bring out new things, really, just relevant fishing gear for people to use and catch fish on. I think that's first and foremost, that's that's the thing with when you're doing that sort of thing, it's, it's about getting things to actually catch fish, not just the angler. Yeah, yeah, 100%. absolutely, mate. And I think, um I mean, I own the Shore game, I own the Mark One version that came out, and I love it. I, Me I'm, too. Um, for me, it's the ideal shore rod that for the conditions that I like to fish and the type of fishing I want to use. And um, yeah, mate, I'm looking forward to see what comes out. And then from from your work with HTO, how did the Lure Hub come about? I mean, where where did you get the idea to do it? How did you start it? Um, oh, Jesus Christ! I think I was chatting to you one day fishing, and we were like, "Oh, start start a business." And next thing you know, I'm badgering you, Rick. Give me a logo, Rick. <laughs> help me set a website up. Rick, how do I do this? Rick, how do I do that? And you're like, oh, just give me, give me an hour. <laughs> Next, no, in all serious though, that's how it happened, man. I'm not bullshitting. Yeah. Yeah, um, next, next thing you know, I mean, mate, the hub's four years old. 
Yeah. yeah. Next thing you know, you're stood in the boat pound, you're stood in the boat pound and you're pulling out boxes of mega bass lures, <laughs> which I'm drooling over, <laughs> going, I've got to go through all these later on, right? I'm just thinking, oh dear, oh dear, I'd never come out of his van. I um Rick, do you remember when we fished the duo lure comp was it last year or year before? Uh, I, I literally that, yeah, year I, I before. I had to make a dash, so um, I w- we fished it with a good friend of ours, Dave Taylor, and um, who we would definitely well, I reckon we should get him on next week actually. Yeah, yeah um, we should try and get Dave on. I've not met Dave yet. I've heard Dave's lots about Dave. Dave. Not met Dave to uh, to some silverware that on that tournament. Yeah, he's Dave's a legend and um, such a nice guy. Anyway, I um, I was I was late getting away and. Um, so I ended up picking up a load of traffic and I was literally waiting for a box of uh, a box of gear to turn up. And um, yeah, so just as I'm pulling out the car park at my mum's place, bloody hell, the van turns up. And next thing you know, I've got like 2,000 quid's worth of bloody tackle. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, I'm going to take this with me because A, there's probably people who want some stuff and B, you know... I don't want it to go go missing, so I ended up got, driving to Dave's house, leaving it in Dave's house. We robbed all the stuff we wanted out of it. And, um, <laughs> it was it was just crazy. But I can remember yeah, you. The, the, the I can remember you giving me the call the night before, saying, "Look, we're going to go down and do this. Do you fancy it?" And I remember thinking, "I'm a bit low on stock. I could do with some stuff." And you were like, "Well, look, if there's anything I've got, I'll bring along a couple a couple more." And as I was driving down, you went, don't worry, don't even stop anywhere. Just get yourself straight here. I'm loaded in the van. Whatever you want, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> and he opened the back doors of the van up. And um, sounds a bit sounds a bit nasty, that. But you opened the doors <laughs> up. And uh, I was just like, wow, here we go. I was like a kid in the candy shop. We couldn't get enough of it. We loaded up on stuff. Yeah, Rick, do you remember the old, um, I mean, this was before they'd even been launched in the UK. But do you remember when I first bought the Kagaloos into the UK? Do yeah. Do you remember, like, the, you the, the matte matt finish one? I can't remember the name of the colour. What, what's the name of the colour? Oboru Ayu. That's the one. Oh, mate. I was just The finish on lovely, it. I lovely, lovely. like it. I absolutely loved it. I've, I've subsequently, obviously, got one off of you. Um, and I've fished with it a few times. But I'm so scared that I'm going to lose it. It hasn't actually caught me a fish. <laughs> <laughs> because I chuck it two or three times and I just think, mm, I'm going to put this back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember the first time you bought Albi snacks on the boat and uh, I was blown away at how an Albi snack went down. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, oh, mate, we had such a good time. Do you remember we were hooking up going, Albi snacks? <laughs> <laughs> And nice. then I think you put something on and you shouted out, the Jinko! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny Idiots. how you step on the boat and you turn into an eight-year-old. Yeah, oh, mate, that's what fishing does to you, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's just, um, I think if you're doing something you love with good people who you get on with, there's the, the, the only outcome is good times, man, whether you catch fish or not, because, uh, you know, there's always something to have a laugh about, to talk about. Um, you know, uh, it's just one of those fishing's one of those things that just it builds friendships, you know. And for me, I think you know, I think that's having a good time when you're fishing is paramount. And um, I think when I lose that sense of sort of enjoying myself and enjoying my, that's when I walk away from it. But I'm 40 years in now, and um, 
I've not once ever thought I've got to give this game up. I'm not not for it anymore. If anything, yeah. ask my missus, man. It's even worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it is, mate. I think um, yeah. I think what what you sort of set up and achieved with the hub, which is probably fair to say it was a hobby to start, right? I mean, it was something oh, you Rick, were just like, was... I want to dabble in it because I want to be able to get some lures to friends. Essentially, it was a toy, man. It was saying. just started off as a toy. Um, and for it to grow now to, with, to have such a following of people that enjoy going on there. Because, mate, it's, you know, it's, it's just, you said it to me at the start, I'm not going to go out and buy a lure in every single colour. I'm just going to buy the stuff that I know works, the stuff that I would use, and hopefully people want to get involved. Um, and that's sort of the emphasis of what you set up, and that's still, still what shines through today, isn't it? I think, you know, the thing with lure fishing, um, Rick, is it's not cheap. I mean, you can make it cheap, but everyone wants the best gear. Now, I, I think the, the problem is, is for someone new who just wants to take a punt to get, you know, when, when you look at, say, like you take a mega bass zonk, for instance, which are as rare as rocking oars at the moment um, to get hold of. They probably do 20 different patterns, but there's only four or five I would even contemplate on stock. I, I would stop. Oh, they're the ones that catch fish. You know, I would never have a bright pink one with a black head, but some people mm. would, you know, and when I've yeah. chatted to people in the past, they're like, oh, well, I like to give my customer variety. And I get that, but why not Why not give your customer one of the proven ones and, and up their chances of catching a fish? Because... You know, and you know, I know people who swear by pinks and stuff like that. You know, and I, a good friend of mine um, down in Cornwall, he catches loads of fish on pink lures. But pink for me down here, just you know, give me a mullet, a saori, um, you know, a, a mat au or Naker. you know, a, a nacra, something like that. Give me one of those any day of the week, mate, and I'll be a, as confident as ever to go out and catch fish. But yeah, you know. I think yeah. for me, when I want people, when I get people to come to my business and, you know, I want them to look and just, just see the lures that actually work, you know, you know, be drawn to the hub. Oh, I know I can go to the lure hub and just, you know, most of the things that are on there are just stuff that works every day to day stuff. And that's yeah. kind of what I wanted to build the business around. Really. I don't want to, I don't like to confuse people and, you know, I certainly mislead them either. I'm, I'm not that sort of person. I'll only ever get something in if I know it's proven. And if I know, you know, certainly if I've used it myself and I think, right, yeah, that's actually worth stocking. Um, you know, not only is it a good fish catcher, it's got good longevity. The hooks are decent. The weights are decent in it. It's yeah. not just about getting something pretty. It's about researching the lure. And, um, you know, there's, there's some really good lures out there for their weight transfer systems, for their casting, you know, the way they land, the, the hardware it comes with by the hooks and the splits. It's just, it's not just one thing. It's a whole multitude of things which makes something good. Mm. Um, and with, with what I do, that's kind of how I base base what I do around. You know, I don't, you know, I've got, I've got quite a lot of items, but, you know, I might only have like two or three of one item or I might only just have one and there could be 10 options. But I just think, well, that one is, that, that, that one is the one. So just stock that one because you don't need the other nine. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's just basically what it's about, and yeah, you know, without waffling on too too much longer, the hub was literally a toy 
which I just wanted to plan with fishing tackle myself, really. I mean, even though I've done it pretty much my whole life, working in different different areas of the trade, I just wanted something which was my own. And now mm-hmm. I've got something which is just out of control, really. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to, we've got something to unveil pretty soon, which we're going to be doing. Um, so, you know, which has spawned from obviously this happening, really. And, you know, hence why we're doing the podcast and et cetera, et cetera. It's just, we're, times are moving and we've got to move with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We're, we're, we're excited to be involved with, with some of the stuff we've got lined up and, um, you know, for something that is a hobby for all of us, if we can get more and more involved and make it part of our life more. Um, you know, we think about fishing pretty much every minute of the day, so it's great to be able to be involved more in it. And um, hopefully in in the not-too-distant future, we'll have even more things going on that we can get involved with. I think, you know, what I've always wanted to do is... I. I'm never really one for the camera and stuff like that. I, you know, I, as you as you touch base on Dan, I mean, you know, I'd only ever, if it's worth taking a picture of, I will take a picture of it, you know, but that's not out of yeah. just, um, that's not out of big this or anything like that. I just think, well, you know, my time's limited. I want to catch another one. Um, and what what I really want to, what, what, what I want to do with you boys is because you've got the capabilities to do with the drones and the camera wear and stuff like that is, Start doing proper videos, you know, top water, bass, you know, with drones and all stuff like that. Just break new ground and just show people, you know, why they're using this lure and how it, how a fish reacts to it and stuff like that, really. And that's kind of what I want to get into. I want to just everyone sort of really up the ante on it, really, and just enjoy it on the way as well. Just, just the whole thing and just, yeah, just, just bring it to the masses, really. I think that's that's all that's all really that I want to do. Just yeah, and I think that's I think that's um, where this where this pod's going to go as well. I mean, we've rambled on tonight about a few stories and a few names that we're going to speak to moving forward, and um, we've had a bit of a laugh on the way. And this episode was always just a case of um, getting together and sort of introing what we want to do, but um, and a little bit about us. But we we sort of plan to speak to a load of different people um, that maybe specialise in certain things. So we know, you know, Dave, Dave Taylor, for example, I mean, it's probably fair to say that nighttime fishing under the cover of darkness, wading is his thing. Um, yeah. And he knows that world inside out. So getting a bit of knowledge and picking his brains on the do's and the don'ts and sort of sharing that on the pod. And then as I touched on earlier, we've had people reach out to us far and wide really that, you know, one of Dan's friends really who owns um, a big fishing shop in Australia wants to kind of come on and talk about GT fishing and how he thinks some of that, what he does over there can potentially rub off on us here and vice versa. Yeah. How we can maybe give them some influence. And um, we want this pod to be a bit educational as well as just us talking shit, right? <laughs> the first. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, Tyrone, to be fair to the, the gentleman we're talking about here, Tyrone, who is based in WA, um, and I basically, I was actually through an ex-girlfriend. She went to a tackle shop to buy some tackle for me to bring back from Australia and then got chatting to this fella and ended up being, the bloke being like, we're telling to ring me in the shop and I'll talk to him over the phone. So I did. Um, and then I ended up going out there 
one Christmas and going in the shop and I probably spent about three hours in his shop, um, spent an absolute fortune and then came out the other side, put it in the car and was like, right, how do I get it all home? Um, and when am I going to use it? But actually, it was where I bought like my first GT ice cream and stuff that I could bring back here and use off the shore. There was obviously a phase where the GT ice cream was a, was a thing people was using and whatnot. And, um, you know, some of the lures do cross over. And I think there is a place for that. Um, obviously, like you touched on, I think you can pretty much, I'm as big as tackle tight your meat. I've got a shed full of it. But I really think, like you were saying earlier about quality and having five or six lures, you know, that just kind of, you know, putting people on lures that definitely work. Um, there's a lot to be said for. But yeah, there's a huge crossover with, you know, even with the States, um, Australia, all sorts of places where essentially it might be a different species of fish, but the principle is like we touched on and watercraft is pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you take the striper scene, Dan. I mean, the striper scene, yeah. We, it's obviously a very similar fishery, just the fish are like dinosaurs, but I think you know there's a there's a lot of crossover there from the striper scene, which can be implemented implemented into the UK scene for you know for sure. Um, you know needles have been pretty big over here for quite a few years. Obviously, you know they're, they're a lot it's a it's a lot bigger over in America than it is here. But you know it's not only that. There's some there's some really good good you know striped bass anglers who especially nighttime anglers. And I mean you know I'm pretty sure when we get Dave on board he will touch base on the striper scene because he is literally so up to date with it all um, over there. Um, you, you know, he, a lot of his night fishing, you know, he's, he's always reading striper books and, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll process some information and then go out and use it himself and think, you know, it's all about putting the together, really. You know, there's a lot of fishing. Of, you know, the principles is all the same about catching fish but there's many many methods and ways of doing it and you know i just think you know as a certainly for me as an angler even though i've been doing it my whole life there's so much more for me to learn and by by sharing information with people even from another country man they just might give you that little shit i'm gonna try yeah that. yeah I'm gonna that go and then suddenly boom yeah, you've got, you got another little another little you know thing up your sleeve to use and um yeah, yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I, I we put a message I... out on um, our social uh, on our Instagram yesterday, and uh, it was just just saying, you know, what does people, what do people want to hear? What do people want to sort of talk for us to talk about in this pod? And mate, some of the responses were so in depth and in detail. Like, you know, there was people asking questions on, um, you know, what, how can I do a species hunt at night, for example, or. Um, you know, am I am I fishing too deep when wading at night? And just real in-depth questions that I think, you know, we may not know the answers exactly. We might have an, an indication we're, you know, we're not the being and or I'm certainly not the guru of all knowledge. Pete, you're way more of an expert than Dan and I are on it. But we can definitely, this pod is about bringing people together to talk about fishing and we can find the right people that can give us as much info as we can. And Absolutely. if there's a little nugget of information that comes out that helps someone catch some more fish then job done yeah 100 and i think there's a place on the pod for that as well maybe we can have a day where people will put something out there and gather a few ideas about what people want to um you know want to address on the next pod and then we'll just maybe pick a few out and address those bit yeah, by bit I mean, 
you know, I'm just going to touch. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to spend 60 seconds on this now. But night fishing, if you, before you wade a mark, you should always cast from the shore before you wade a mark. And I've learned that lesson myself down on Mecca. Um, I've waded out and I've, I've had lumps literally bombing out through my legs and all sorts of stuff, which had just been hugging the shoreline. So, yeah, wade, we're definitely touch base and wading one time, but always cast off, off the shingle, off the sand before you start wading because, uh, you know, those, those fish come right in, literally, you know, dorsal fins out at night. It's crazy. And um, yeah, but we'll touch base on that another time. Yeah, I think um, there's 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 endless amounts to talk about. I'm sure we're going to get into all sorts. And I think you know from our the, the short trailer that that Dan recorded yesterday talks about the stuff that we want to get into. But um, hopefully, man, we can just keep this rolling and we'll like it. Yeah, I mean, keep drinking beer. Yeah, there's probably going to be some audio yeah. issues. I mean. You know, if we're cutting in and out, apologies. We're doing it from, we're not all together, obviously, with this current situation. We're all doing it from our houses and trying to stay connected on Wi-Fi and do it that way. But um, it's going to be raw anyway. It's not going to be a, a polished podcast. We're not um, audio experts in this thing. So we will, um, um, we will bring one from the Griffin, won't we? I'm still yet to grace their doors. <laughs> There's every <Can't>. chance. <laughs> There's every chance. <laughs> nah, man, we're, we're definitely gonna have to, we're definitely That's gonna a private joke, lads. That's a private joke. Yeah. <laughs> well, on a serious note, we did talk about meeting people in the pub, and I'm sure that's an easy easy place to do it. But we also spoke about doing a live podcast where we maybe do one out on the water together. And yeah. we'll definitely have some audio issues. Yeah, we'll I have think to do that's, it on a day uh... where it's not blowing a gale. But um, we want to try new things, don't we? And we want to. We want to try and bring that experience out to everyone. And, yeah, we'll learn as we go, I suppose. We're always learning, boys. Always. Always. Wicked. I enjoyed that, lads. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too, boys. I didn't realise it's like... And uh, hopefully, hopefully, with any luck, they'll relax the rules soonish and we can maybe spend a bit of time well, on the salt. It's, um, the rot's in at the moment. I mean, it has been... At, it's been like the med down here, boys. And um, But the rot's in at the moment, so... I think it's going to be a little while off the shingle, though. But, I mean, the, the clarity split's good enough for fishing off the boat, that's for sure. It's not as far out as what it usually would be, but there's certainly a bit of suspended stuff around out there, but nothing like as what, as bad as it could be. But that's not to say it's not going to fire up, you know. So, I think, um, you know, the lockdown as it is at the moment, given the conditions, it's not really a bad thing. I know we love fishing, thing. but it's not yeah. ideal conditions for it. To be honest with you, yeah, we could we could definitely spend an episode on what I'm about to ask them. So let's try and keep it as brief as possible. Yeah, but Pete, what? How do you think the this lockdown is going to affect the bass stocks? Um, it's it's a really difficult one actually because obviously the commercials are still out fishing. You know, the the commercials are still it's a food source, but there's certainly less activity. Um, obviously less people going fishing. So I don't know. I, I was chatting to Dave Taylor about this. The, in fact, it's probably about seven to 10 days ago. And um, mm. yeah, I mean, the outcome is we might end up having an absolute bumper year next year. You know, there might be a, a spike in smaller fish, which obviously, you know, which means the, the breeder fish have had a chance to do their thing. So um, 
yeah, who, who knows? But I think I think there could be some some positivity come out of the lockdown. Um, but until but until we get there, you just don't know, do you? You know, you just don't know. I mean, I don't know what your views are, are on it, lads, but. Um, you know, there's no question of a doubt that bass stocks are, you know, they are in decline. It's not It's not like it used to be. I can tell you that now. Um, yes, we can still go out and smash 50 to 60 fish in a few hours. Um, but it's not like it used to be. I mean, if you chat when if you chat to Rob, you know, he'll tell you we, we could go out every day and smash absolutely loads of fish, you know, on the reef, you know, inshore. You know, there'll just be bass everywhere. And, um it's it's not it's not as consistent as it used to be, you know. There's it's it's just not like it used to yeah. be. Things are yeah definitely changing. I mean, some good friends of mine are they're commercial fishermen down on Bognor, and um, I mean they're only shellfish commercial, but you know they'll they'll talk to me about the good times and how it, there used to be bass shoals everywhere while they were lifting their pots. They don't see any bass shoals anymore. You know, they might see one or two a year instead of sort of like one every day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, yeah. the, the problem is, I think, yeah. as well, loose lips sink ships. I'm a firm believer in that. And I think when marks get out, when info gets out to the wrong people and they start sharing and they start sharing and you get you yeah. get trawlers come along, Rick, um, which see groups of anglers, groups of boats on certain marks, they're going to be inquisitive. Well, what are those boats there? Well, when, I'll, I'll ping that. And when all the boats are gone, I'll run the net through there. And suddenly, you know, they get a yeah, good hold. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. how it starts. That, that's how things... That's an important point, really, because I don't think, you know, for just to kind of manage expectations, I don't think at any stage for this podcast we'll name marks. We'll definitely try not to do no. that. Um, but we'll never ask someone to come on and give away where they fish. I mean, you know, we're quite open. We fish yeah, that's the Sussex coastline. But, and people probably know the areas roughly where we fish. But um, certainly, you know, giving away marks that Pete, you more so than us, has worked on for, for years and years to sort of find and master. Well, I've always, I've always said to you boys, haven't I? I mean, I'm, we're not just saying it for the pod. What have I always said to you when, when I've shared info with you? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it was all we've always we've always touched on that we, you know, we don't tend to mention those marks or certain marks to to everyone because of that saying you touched on there the the loose lip loose lips sink ships and um, you know we like to be able to come back and you know catch those bass like we said and and whatnot. So obviously by giving too much away, sometimes it can get ruined. Yeah. You know. Um, and obviously, it also boils down to what we talked about really early on, and that is people doing their homework. I mean, yes, obviously, we were fortunate. We did a, we did get to go fishing with yourself, and you give us a couple of marks and whatnot. But, you know, like you said, there's a lot of years yeah, going into that. Yeah, of course. But there's still marks that we fished that we got down to without, you know, literally Google mapping, right? We're like, oh, that looks a good area. Let's yeah. go check it out. And yeah, I, yeah. You know, that's all part and parcel of the fun, right? You know, now more than ever, I've probably looked at Google Maps. I've had a look at Google Earth. and I'm looking at new spots. I mean, I'm heading down to Cornwall, hopefully, or being well in a couple of months. Um, and I've been just scouring Google Earth to try and look at places where I can go. And I know, you know, some of the chaps down there point me in the right direction, but I love trying to find your own your own. Way. How satisfying is it going um, out and just catching the fish? Better than 
Yeah, there's nothing the better iPad. than going out and trying to work out yourself. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think that's important. We, we will talk about areas and places we fished over the past, but I doubt we'll go into too much details. We certainly, we certainly won't be giving away any coordinates. <laughs> Unfriend. Um, yeah. Where's the block button? <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, enjoyed that chat. Yeah, really good, boys. Episode one done. Nice. First of many, I, 